Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and we continue still with our birth stories for the summer series. Today's story comes from Shanice Didham, who did a whole lot of soul-searching and preparation in early pregnancy and set things up so that she'd have the environment and support she needed to explore birth on her own terms and have a glorious postpartum to boot. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Expectful, an evidence-based guide meditation app created specifically for those trying to conceive, pregnant, or new moms. Reduce your stress, reduce your complications, and improve your connection with your baby and partner. Learn more and sign up for a free two-week trial at expectful.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Mamas and Mamas-to-be and Mighty Dads and Dads-to-be. Thank you for listening and also for all the love you give the show week after week through your ratings and reviews and just by telling all your pregnant friends about the podcast. Please keep on doing all of that. And if you like what you hear, then consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, even if that's not how you usually listen to it, because it really does help. All right, before we jump into today's story, here's a few questions for you. One, how prepared are you for life with a newborn? Two, do you know what to expect in terms of eating, sleeping, and growing? Three, are you going to deal, how are you going to deal with figuring out the baby you got and your new identity as a parent while being in a time continuum of 24-7 baby care for more than six weeks? Four, do you and your partner have a plan on how you will come together as a team and prioritize your sleep, nutrition, and your recovery? And if you are feeling overwhelmed by the mere mention of all these questions, then do yourself a favor and check out my Thrive With Your Newborn online postpartum preparation course at birthfulcourses.com. You know life with a newborn is going to be hard. Make it less so by taking this class. This is really important stuff that you need to do before your baby arrives. So really, go sign up at birthfulcourses.com. I promise you will be glad that you did. All right, my guest today is Shanice Didham, who really took to heart the idea that pregnancy is early, 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 early labor and did a whole lot of work ahead of time so that the actual birth would flow as much as possible. Welcome, Shanice. I am so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so... Tell us a little bit about yourself and how, you know, when you first realized you were pregnant, what were your thoughts about birth and what was your, what were your wishes for that birth? So I was born and raised in Israel and moved to the United States about six and a half years ago. Um, about two years, I think, before I found that I was pregnant, I watched The Business of Being Born, and I pretty much got sucked into the whole world of birth and pregnancy and women's health, and I started reading about it a lot. <laughs> um, and You became I... a birth junkie. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then I decided to go to school to become a midwife. Before then, I went to school. Um, I was kind of trying to figure out what I want to learn. So I did all different kinds of things like engineering, business, accounting. And I just, nothing seemed right until I found midwifery. Um, so when I found out I was pregnant, I was actually already in school. Um, so it was it was pretty obvious to me that I would have a home birth. It took a bit more convincing. Um, you know, I had to convince my husband because he was more nervous. He's he's in pre med right now, um, and he's gonna be a doctor, an anesthesiologist. So he was all into going to a hospital, making sure that there are doctors and all of that. And I was the complete opposite. So in the beginning, I told him, well, we have a great um, birth center really close to our house, like a few minutes drive. 
we we could just do that or even go to the farm. We talked about going to the farm. And then I told him, after we agreed on that, I told him, you know, I just don't really see myself getting in the car when I'm in labor and, you know, driving somewhere else to give birth where I'm so comfortable in my own house. And then also driving back home after giving birth. I don't, I don't want that. I just want to be home. So we agreed on that. Um, it seems like he didn't take much convincing. Oh, no, I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of research reading. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for the listeners who don't know, the farm is... Uh, so will you describe what the farm is? So... Well, I'm assuming that whoever watched The Business of Being Born is aware of the farm. It's where Anna Mae Gaskin started her practice. They have, um, they have midwifery practice over there for home-style births, but you could go there, rent a cabin or whatever, and the midwives in the farm will take care of you. Um, they have... You know, they have a lot of experience, so I think it's a great middle ground for someone who does want to do a home birth, but doesn't have a birth center by their house. Um, it's in Tennessee, mm-hmm. so if women live in the area, they could they could do that. They also do a bunch of training to for other midwives or midwives assistants, and it's just a wonderful place. <laughs> it's like birth junkie mecca. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So you convinced them that, you know, you were both on the same page of having a home birth. Um, And then what did you do to prepare for that? So first I needed to find a midwife. So, well, first I actually found a doula because there was a lady in my class um, in the midwifery school She's been in that field for a long time, working for an OBGYN, actually. Um, And her and I had a great connection. We both live in Colorado. And she used to be a a doula, and then she she had to stop. She didn't have time anymore. Um, But she said, "I'll, I'll be your doula. So I said, okay, sounds good. Um, and then I found a midwife. She was wonderful. She's actually the president of the um, Colorado Midwives Association. Her name is Gina. And, well, I interviewed another midwife before, and it was just terrible, not a good fit. The interview lasted three hours with us kind of arguing where she's saying that um, CPMs are not are undereducated and not professional enough and they're too risky and all of that. Well, me arguing with her, you know, being a student midwife, (laughs) um, I almost chose her just because my husband felt comfortable since she's a nurse, but I, I just couldn't see her as part of my team that I wanted for my birth. So then I went to the other interview with Gina, and it was, I felt a good connection right from the beginning. Um, We started the prenatal care, but it was kind of different because I did go to school and I have all the textbooks and everything, so whenever I did have a question, I just asked my textbooks. So... Seeing her was, you know, a lot of talking and support, and it was just great. I loved the prenatal care uh, with my midwife. Mm. And so you had tons of knowledge. You had a doula. You had a midwife. Let's fast forward to the day. How did you know you were in labor? Oh, I didn't. (laughs) Oh, there you go. (laughs) We went to, we decided that a couple months before, uh, my husband spent about two hours a day commuting to work. So we decided that we would try to find a house closer to his job. Um, so the day before birth, 
we found a house that we really liked, had an open house the day of the birth on Sunday. And we're like, okay, let's let's go check it out. And I woke up that morning at 8.30 in the morning feeling like I have gas, but like really bad gas. <laughs> um, so I was probably in the bathroom for about an hour and a half trying to relieve the gas mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that ended up not being gas at all. Um, and I, I thought I might be in labor. I called my midwife and I told her, I think maybe my water broke. Also, it didn't break. I guess uh, I just had a lot of pressure on my bladder. So that's what it was. Um, so I told her, I, you know, I think I'm experiencing contractions. I don't really know because... You know, even with all the knowledge and all the books, no one can really explain to you what the pressure waves, as we call them, would feel like. So I honestly just thought I had really bad gas. <laughs> uh, so we left the house to see the the house that we wanted. And... I realized, okay, I'm I'm in labor, and it's actually pretty active. <laughs> it's not even the beginning of it. So I'm there in the basement of that house having contractions every, I don't know, four or five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, okay, this is, I'm in labor. I need to go home. But... I also thought that I'm so early in the in the process because I expected it to be a lot worse. Um, so I said, okay, let's go see another house. We went to see that other house that's 45 minutes away from our house. I got out of the car and I'm like, I can't walk. I need to go home like right now. This is um, getting really intense. I couldn't speak through my contractions. I needed to be home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so even though I did try to avoid being in the car while I'm in labor, I ended up spending a big chunk of my time that day in a car. Um, so yeah, we drove home. I, I did tell my midwife that I'm in labor, but I mean, she did take me seriously, but I didn't make a big deal out of it. So I think she thought I'm still very early you know, in the process. Um, and she just told me to keep her up to date, but I didn't because <laughs> I thought I have so much more time. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go home, try to nap because I probably have a lot more time and I don't want to, like it was already the afternoon. I didn't want to be exhausted and, you know, and... I figured I'll go home and take a nap. Um, so we did go home. I stopped on the way to to have a bagel. I was really hungry. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I actually had two bagels. There you but... go. <laughs> <laughs> so we came home, and I'm I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go up to our bedroom, and I'm gonna try to nap. That didn't happen because I was not comfortable laying down at all. Every time I had a pressure wave, I had to be on my knees and hands. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not going to take a nap. Um, and I had all my HypnoBabies recordings that I planned originally on um, listening to. But I think by that time, my I'm estimating that I was already about seven centimeters um, dilated. And I was in my zone, so the recordings didn't, they didn't do anything for me. I just put the relaxing music, dimmed the lights, and wanted to be left alone. So I spent the majority of my labor by myself, which Mm -hmm. was awesome. Um, And then I went downstairs, I really wanted a mango sorbet. (laughs) So my mom and my sister-in-law, they're both in my house you know we planned on them being in the birth so they're just there looking at me while I'm having a pressure wave and my mom gave birth naturally four times so she knew that it's serious 
And she also knew that we still didn't call the midwife or the doula. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, no, no, we don't, we don't need to call them. There's still plenty of time. So I'm, I went back upstairs trying to rest. My sister-in-law came to hang out with me. And I guess my mom told my husband, you have to call the midwife like right now because otherwise it will be too late. <laughs> So he listened to her. Um, the midwife arrived around 4 34 o'clock, something like that. Um, as well as the doula, they both arrived together, and the birth photographer. Um, and then the midwife wanted to check my dilation. And I was so nervous because I thought she was going to tell me that I'm only like, I don't know maybe three centimeters and that I have hours more to go and I'm like I don't know how I can do this for so much longer this is so intense um so she checked me and she said that I'm I was eight centimeters and I I just started crying <laughs> <laughs> like crazy because I, I could not believe that I made it this far and it's not as bad as I thought it would be. You know, I, I made it this far. I can do it. Um, the only thing that was kind of disappointing is I refused to let anyone fill up the birth pool because the midwife told me that if the water stand for more than 24 hours, we would have to empty the pool and then, you know, fill it back up. And I, as I said, I thought I had so much more time. So... I didn't want I I didn't want to be in that situation. I really did want to use the pool. <laughs> By the time the pool was ready, I was almost ready to push. Those pools take several hours to to fill. They take time. <laughs> and I thought I had time. <laughs> right, right, right. No, I totally can I can totally sympathize to your position of not wanting to fill it too early. But yeah, those things take a lot longer than you think. <laughs> I know, I know. And then by the time it was ready, you know, I was already probably like nine centimeters dilated. And I was so hot. The house wasn't hot. I think the house was on like, I don't know, maybe 70 degrees or so. The water in the pool was, I think, 95. And the midwife said we can't make it any colder because, you know, when the baby comes out, the water needs to be kind of warm. But I was in the pool and I was miserable. I hated it, which was weird because I, I thought I would be in water. But um, wait a second. You did get a chance to fill the pool or is that which pool? Kinda. Are you Not all the way. Okay. But, but yeah, I get a chance to be there. I was there for maybe three pressure waves. And I'm like, I hate it. Let me out of here. <laughs> which is funny because... Ever since the midwife came over and said that it's okay, we could fill up the pool, um, everyone worked like crazy to get a pool ready. I was there for just a few minutes, and I and I hated it. So all that work was for nothing. Everyone went up and down the stairs like a million times to get more hot water mm -hmm. so we can do it faster. It kept so, them busy. Yep. <laughs> and out of your way. Like you were saying, you really enjoyed being alone. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the thing is, even before I gave birth, I I knew that I would want to be alone in the beginning. I didn't realize it, it, the beginning would be this long, but <laughs> mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to be alone. Um, and my husband knew that too. Everyone everyone knew I told him that. Um, so yes, I... I was on the birth pool, I mean, in the birth pool, decided to get out. Um, and I guess they got the bed ready with, you know, for me to give birth on. Um, they put, you know, they put like um, a liner for from the um, shower curtain, like the plastic shower curtain mm -hmm. on the bed and then put another layer of sheet and another um I actually don't remember. I wasn't there, <laughs> but <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> um, 
so, you know, they needed to get the uh, room ready. The midwife was really hands-off, which is what I wanted. She mostly, you know, kind of supervised, made sure that everything was going well. But it was mainly the doula and me, you know, going through that. Um, the midwife was writing notes and taking care of all the other stuff. So that was perfect for me. That's exactly what I wanted. Um, and then I'm, so the doula is like, okay, let's try to land the bed in the guest room, um, until the room is ready. I hated laying down. I don't know what it is, but if I would have to be in a hospital and give birth laying down, I don't think I would be able to do what I did. Um, so I'm just very, I'm feeling blessed that I have the opportunity to do whatever I felt like I needed to do. Mm-hmm. It happened. Um, so, yeah, then I said, I need to poop, like right now. I have to go to the bathroom and poop. And I already knew I was in transition. I knew it, like, logically. Because, <laughs> you know, I listened to myself and I have, like, on one, t- on one side, on one shoulder, let's say, the birthing woman, that's me, um, and what she's experiencing. And on the other, on the other shoulder, I have, um, you know, me with my knowledge of birth, knowing that I'm in transition. I'm like, so I'm saying, I can't do this. I don't think I can do it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm in transition. Uh-huh. So, Key words, right? I can't do this. Hmm, must be transition. <laughs> yeah, and... And I say to myself, I have to poop. But logically, I know that I don't have to poop. <laughs> I mean, maybe I did, but uh-huh. not a, not a, you know. I, I'm going to interrupt you right now before you like get right to having the baby because we have to take a break, but we'll be right back. Hey, Mighty Ones, I've been telling you for a while now about Aeroflow Breast Pumps and the amazing service they provide. So you can imagine how happy I was to get feedback from a mighty listener on her experience of working with Aeroflow. She wrote, if you're looking to pump when you go back to work or if you're like me and the lactation consultant recommended it to help with some initial breastfeeding issues, I super highly recommend using Aeroflow to help you get a pump. I filled out the insurance info on Wednesday, was approved Thursday morning, and shopped for my 100% covered pump, which arrived at my door on Saturday. It was super easy and way faster than I expected. I am legitimately impressed with them. How cool is that? Aeroflow offers a wide selection of pumps from top manufacturers like Hygieia, Evenflow, Spectra, Amida, and more, so you can get exactly what you need. And if you don't have insurance, or in the case that your breast pump is not covered 100%, then Aeroflow can get you a breast pump at a lower price than big box retailers. Get all the details at aeroflowbreastpumps.com birthful, and don't forget to add the slash birthful part so they know who got you there. And we're back. So you are in a situation where you've got two two minds going. One's going, I can't do this. The other one's saying, ugh, you are in transition because you need to poop, but it's not really poop. So, yeah. And I, and I knew that once I get to that phase that I feel like I can't do it, I that's when it's really close. Um, so it was nice. I think that knowledge really help um it helped me a lot because if i wouldn't have known that me thinking that means that i'm almost done i i would get frustrated i think or i don't know but but knowing that it's almost over and that i'm about to meet my daughter was you know it was very helpful so i went I went to the bathroom, <laughs> knowing that I need to poop but don't need to poop. Um, I took a few minutes there by myself, closed the door, and I knew that I didn't need to. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready. And now thinking back, I think that what I really needed was just a few minutes by myself without anyone around me before I become a mother for the first time. I just 
needed a moment to be me. Um, so I gave myself that moment, last last moment ever <laughs> by myself before I'm a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came back out from the bathroom and I'm like, okay, I need to push. <laughs> um, and I made it very um, uncomfortable for everyone involved because I decided to do it in the corner of the room on the floor and no one could move me from there. The midwife was like, um, do I maybe be on the bed? You know, your knees will hurt or I think they also couldn't really see very well because I was in the corner <laughs> backing up to a, to a wall. Um, and I refused to move. Um, I just wanted to be there and I did not want to change position. I'm like, I just want to get this baby out of me. It's time. So they got me my, uh, my birth ball. Um, and I kind of leaned on my ball. My husband was on the other side of it. And then we had the bed next to us. My doula was behind me, helping me, you know, with counter pressure. Um, and the midwife is kind of checking to make sure that that I'm ready to push. And she said, you know, like, when you feel like pushing, you could go ahead and do that. Um, so it was, I actually really enjoyed it. I understand why women say that that was their favorite part. Because after the intensity of, of transition... It's it's like a walk in the park, <laughs> but not really. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean. It's it's a lot um, easier. You have control. You have more space between the pressure waves for you know to take a breath. I actually think I kind of fell asleep a couple of times um, between pushing. <laughs> so. It was great. I had my husband holding me on the other side and just, you know, looking in my eyes and giving me power. Um, my there's the room was kind of crowded because we have a pretty big bed. So my mom and my sister-in-law ended up sitting in the closet, um, and it was just I don't know. It was just great. And then I think I pushed for about 15 minutes. Um, and the baby came out in the sack. Um, so ankle completely attached. Um, and she was perfect. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I did it. <laughs> Cause I don't know. I felt like, like a lioness. I felt like a warrior, um, I felt so empowered, like I can do anything and everything I put my mind into. So it was just great. Mm, that sounds fantastic. Um, and she was born in the call. Who who got her out of the call? Um, the midwife did. So we didn't really know. I didn't really know if my water broke before but but then we found out that I guess they didn't I didn't get to see it unfortunately um neither did my husband everyone else in the room got to see it though so the photographer wasn't able to get a picture of that either because it was still pretty crowded um yeah and then I just leaned on the wall still like like sitting down where I gave birth she was still connected uh we didn't cut the cord we waited for the placenta to come out um only after the placenta came out and the cord turned white we my husband cut the cord um yeah it was great they, the placenta came out, I don't know, like 15 minutes after we, I gave birth. 
Um, there was, I guess I bled a lot, but it's not as dramatic as I thought it, or not me, but as, you know, in the movies and all, when if the woman bleeds, they make it seem so dramatic, but it really wasn't. The midwife gave me a shot of Pitocin. Um, the bleeding kept going, so she gave me another one, and it stopped. And there was no drama around it or fear or anything. I mean, my mom felt my mom was scared, but that's mm-hmm. a gift. <laughs> <laughs> that's no matter what, right? Yeah, especially since she was kind of skeptic. Um, Skeptic? A skeptic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> about the whole home birth thing. I think about a month before I gave birth is when she finally gave into the idea of me giving birth at home and stopped trying to convince me to go to the hospital. What were your reasons Particularly, like, what was really your thought process behind wanting to have a home birth? Oh, there, there are so many. Um, well, first, I just, I didn't feel like I'm sick. I never, I'm, I'm a healthy woman. I'm, my pregnancy was very low risk. I was healthy throughout my pregnancy, worked out, ate healthy, um, my mental shape, my mental condition was, you know, stable and I was happy and I really didn't see a need to go to the hospital. Um, and I just, I don't know, I didn't feel right. I wanted to do it like in nature. I felt like nature planned this for us, um, in a way that if, you're a healthy woman and your pregnancy is healthy, you should be able to do that if you had the support and if you choose to do that. Um, and you don't need a doctor to to deliver your baby necessarily. Like, or you could just birth your baby. You just need to trust yourself. And I did trust myself. I knew that I could do that. Mm. Was, I wanted to be in control over who is going to be there and um, what position I'm going to be in, how the lights are going to be, if I'm going to eat or drink or whatever. I wanted to be in control over everything. And I was. I mean, as much as you can, you know. Well, right. In terms of the environment and, and, and that whole and, and feeling safe and secure and being able to eat and move and things that were important for you. Yeah. And the thing is, after birth, I stayed in bed with my baby for probably about five days, um, except for going to the bathroom and, you know, getting up to do that. I was just in bed. My mom and my husband took care of me. I had time to bond with my baby and I felt like my healing uh, process was a lot faster because of that. Um, Because I didn't, I didn't push myself to do anything. I just really gave my body time to heal. And, and I think my mental state was really good too. I didn't experience the baby blues or, you know, postpartum depression and I know it's you know I could have even if I would have the birth I wanted at home but I think it helped like being satisfied and with my birth definitely helped um with my mental state yeah what um what was anything that was different than what you expected or something? What was the most challenging part? Um, the most challenging part, I, I think the most challenging part was to just give in. Um, and I think it was easier for me than I expected because I, I did do hypno babies. Um, And I think you talked about it in one of your podcast episodes, but 
my my hypnobabies instructor and you know all the recordings and all that really helped with that and i think the challenging part was actually before the birth it was not knowing for a hundred percent or kind of doubting myself from time to time that I could really do that. You know, I was nervous about giving up and having to transfer to the hospital when I'm already very far along. And then I had to kind of recenter myself and remind myself that I, my body knows what it's doing. Women have been doing that. Otherwise we as a species wouldn't be here today. Um, other than that, I think if you give up control and to your body and just let your body do what it needs to do, then it's really not that challenging. I guess the only challenge then is the mental one to remind yourself that, you know, Mm, yeah, I, I really love the the phrase, you know, you birth with your with your body, not with your mind. Um, and because it encompasses that, that one of the hardest things is just getting out of your way, your own way, like just stop thinking and get into that primal brain that will make the hormones flow and and will let you be uninhibited and will let things happen. Yeah, absolutely. And those hormones, they are the best um, pain reliever <laughs> that exists, in my opinion, because it felt intense, that's for sure. It was not easy. Um, it was very intense, but I did not feel pain mm -hmm. at all. I felt a little bit you know, with the ring of fire, not as bad as I thought. And it really only lasted a few seconds and it was done. And as soon as she was out, all the pain just vanished. And I know that, you know, there was pain, I guess, but the hormones helped make sure that I don't feel it as, you know, as intensely. Yeah. And I think it, different people do experience different things. And, it's whether you call it intensity or pain, I think it has a lot to do with with many, you know, things that affect it, like how you're viewing it, how you prepared, um, also the circumstances and how those hormones are allowed to flow to help you out. Exactly. And the thing is, it didn't come easily. Mm -hmm. um, I really do give a lot of credit to hypnobabies and I think hypnobirthing is pretty much the same um but it took practice you know every day i had to practice changing my you know how i think about pain and how i think about birth and you know and contractions and it took i think i devoted at least an hour a day for the months prior to birth listening to those recordings and changing how you know, how I think about pain. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's why today I don't think of it as, as, you know, as a painful experience. And in the moment, I didn't either. Even during transition, I was really tired. Like, I felt like it was so intense that I was tired. But, yeah, and I think, I think it's possible. I know it's not possible for every woman because, you know, every birth is different. But I think it's possible. And I think as a society, we have we need to take responsibility over that and and change the way we view birth. Because it's not sickness, it's not, you know, an emergency situation in most cases. It doesn't have to be anyway. And it's something that women used to have control over. And the way I say it, we need to take that control back and make it, you know, as beautiful as, as it can be. Yeah. And it's so much, so much of how we birth has to do how we culturally consider birth. And it's, I think a great point that you're making in terms of preparation is that you need to sort of unprogram 
all your negative beliefs towards birth ahead of time during the pregnancy or even earlier, right? So that those don't come alive when you're giving birth. Right, because we all take for granted that it's going to be the most painful thing we ever experienced. And I'm going to tell you now, it is certainly not the most painful thing I experienced. Would you say it's the most intense thing that you've ever experienced? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It was the most intense thing I have ever experienced. I don't think I will ever experience anything this intense. Mm. And and it, to, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, yeah. That we don't call it labor for nothing. Like, it's not easy. It's hard. But yeah. we can do hard things. Yeah. And that just proved to me, you know, how powerful I am, which, you know, I think is a great, is a great bonus for, for all of that. But yeah, just like you said, it's we need to unprogram ourselves. So that's what I did with myself. That's the work that I did. So throughout my entire pregnancy, birth, and even postpartum, even now as a mother, I I think to myself, okay, if I was, you know, in a tropical island somewhere by myself right now, and I wouldn't know anything. I wouldn't know anything at all about pregnancy, birth, anything like that. What would I do? You know, if I was like an animal, which, you know, we all are technically, we are mammals. You had an episode about it too. Mm-hmm. Um, what would I do? And I just had to follow that and, and trust that. So it really helped. Actually, a lot of the stuff I did are based on your show. <laughs> On your podcast. Oh, yay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to, um, as we're talking, I'm writing down the pod, the episodes that you mentioned. So I will link them in the show notes. Um, yeah, yeah uh, the one on, on self-hypnosis, the one on your baby, the mammal. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that one. I think that's, that's my favorite one because before I listened to it, I kept saying that, like, I don't need a textbook to tell me how to birth. You know, I just need to be an animal and do what I need to do. You don't see, I don't know, dogs birthing their puppies and and screaming and having, you know, other dogs assisting them. They just do it. You know, they go somewhere quiet, preferably somewhere dark with no interruptions so that adrenaline won't stop their birth process or slow it down. And they just do it. Mm-hmm. And and again, it's back, like the only thing, not the only thing, but one of the things, the primary thing that we have different from a dog or a cat is that thinking brain. So if yeah. you can shut that thinking brain up, then, and it's, and, it's, and we, we have such, yeah, we have such a hard time letting go of the control, right? Of wanting to control everything. So it's almost like what you spend all your life doing, trying to, because we do day in day out we try to figure out choose and and decide what we want to eat how what clothes we want to wear where we want to go like all of these things and then we're not used to just having somebody else decide and by this somebody else i don't mean a doctor or a care provider i mean your primal self like letting your body decide it's a it's a it's a tricky tough thing to do yeah, but, you know, once you learn how to do it, I find it so helpful. Even, you know, as a mother, um, I don't know if it's luck. I don't know what it is, but my baby is a really happy baby. And I go against a lot of things that people tell me to do or people tell me not to do. You know how, like, once you become a mom, everyone <laughs> has an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't start before. You know, it starts when you're still pregnant, um, but it just, you know, like you have to, you need, to, you could be polite. You don't have to be polite to those people. You could be polite and tell them, thank you. I appreciate your opinion. But essentially you have to trust yourself. You have to trust your gut and what, you know, whatever you feel is right. That's normally the right thing to do. Mm. And I found it so helpful 
throughout this entire journey. Um, so I, I, it just made life a lot easier. And I learned it only in birth. Hmm. I did not know that before. It's such, it can be such a an opportunity and a growing experience. And I think that's true regardless of the birth you have, because it does take you to your edge. Yeah, it doesn't matter what birth you choose to do, even if you choose to have a C-section or, you know, epidural or whatever you choose to do, every birth is, you know, is going is going to teach you. Mm-hmm. And there is no right or wrong. Like, I don't want people to think that I think the, the way I birth was the only right way. I'm absolutely not. It's not going to be right for everyone. Um, I know... I know women who chose to have only C-sections. I don't necessarily agree with that just because I think it could be risky, but I don't think, I don't think it's wrong. I think every woman should have the birth she wants to have. And I, I think our duty, you know, as, as a society, as sisterhood is to, make sure women are aware of their options. I think that's essentially the most important thing. Mm, that's right. That's what we're doing with this podcast and sharing these stories <laughs> of giving yeah. variations of... of it's great. Yeah. I'm doing, I'm doing elimination communication that I heard in your show. I'm doing it. Oh, I cool. would not have heard about it if it wasn't for your show. Eliminate, I'll link to that as well. Yeah, good. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad. Podcast diapers, and we do cloth diapers, so it saves me a lot of time doing laundry. <laughs> I'm gonna link it, so if people want to listen to that, then and of of, and then there's no potty training because it's it's just from birth. You kind of flow with it. Yeah, yeah, and she loves it actually. Well, because does she give you signs specifics that you, can you clearly recognize? Well, now, yeah, now she's five months already, but when she was smaller, uh, when she was just a newborn, so we started a week after birth. Mm-hmm. Um, now she has her own little potty <laughs> that she sits on. Mm-hmm. It's so cute. Um, so in the beginning, I just went based on timing or, you know, if she gets fussy doing fitting, then I know that she probably needs to go. Mm-hmm. Um, now she gives me more more of signs so like lifting her hips um shows me that she needs to go she kicks her legs in a certain way that she kind of like rocks them on the floor rather than kicking so it's cool to see that you know those changes that she communicates with me um, right. And I think that's brilliant because they are constantly communicating. They don't they don't have words. Right. But they yeah. give signals all the time. And if we do pay attention to them, then then they get reinforced. And for her, how wonderful that she knows if I do this with my leg, then I'm going to get to go to the body. Yeah. And she loves it after that. She's all smiley and mm. giggly. <laughs> so oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's all been a wonderful experience and I can't wait for the next one already, but I, I'm going to wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I'm excited to see, you know, what future holds. Yeah, yeah, no, and and I'm very excited for you too and, and on your journey that I know that right now you're kind of on hold on being a midwife because you have a little one. Um, but yeah. but you'll get there, I'm sure. I know. Unfortunately, I did have to take a break because it's, it's very demanding. Um, you know, the school wanted me to start the practicum when, you know, it's just not a good time for me to to go to birth right now because... I have a little one that needs me. Yeah. And I know some midwives and doulas will bring their little ones with them, but I, I, it's just not right for me. So I decided I'm going to take a break until we're done having kids and, and the little, the smallest one will be, I don't know, at least three years old. Then it will be easier to go to births. Mm. Well, 
right now, just keep enjoying that little one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she, she keeps me busy for sure. <laughs> I am. I bet. Yeah. Shanit, thank you so much for coming on the show to share your story. This is beautiful. Is there, before we, we go off the air, is there anything else that you want or any resources, any like aha moments that you want to leave the listeners with? Uh, sure. Yeah. So there's a tip and a resource. So the tip is plan your postpartum period and support just like you do with your birth um, because it's super important to have that kind of support and have that planned out um, before it happens so you're not caught off guard um, and then a source that I find very helpful is Dr. Sears website um, there's so much information online. It's hard to find reliable information that you you know you can really base your actions on. So Dr. Sir's website is I find very helpful for different questions about babies. Yeah, and he pretty much they pretty much cover any and all topics on that website. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I love that website. Very cool. Well, again, thank you so, so much for doing this and sharing your story. It's been a delight. Yeah, thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. Mighty Ones, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Go to birthful.com where you can learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages, and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at birthful, so come say hi. And if you're pregnant, don't forget to check out my Thrive with Your Newborn postpartum preparation classes at birthfulcourses.com. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and the wonderful people at Aeroflow Breast Pumps. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another mighty mama about her birth story or stories here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous birthful library. Happy listening.